Consumers with Benefits is proud to partner with Omni Consumer Products to bring you the first energy drink for the LGBTQ community. When you need a pick-me-up for the day-to-day -day grind and feel fabulous, reach for a Gatorade. It's delicious hot or cold. It goes both ways. Gatorade is the only energy drink that has real honest-to-god glitter in the can. You're definitely going to want to swallow this stuff. Gatorade comes in three fabulous flavors. Rainbow Raspberry, They Them Tropical Punch, and Lesbian Lemon Lime. So go out to the store and grab a Gatorade today. And visit Gatorade.com. That's G-A-Y-D-O-R-A-D-E.com. Then go delete your browser history. brought to you by VetShield, the newest product from the Veterans with Benefits R&D department to treat men with ED. Let's face it, fellas, ED happens to the best of us. You can talk to a licensed physician over the phone or online. There's no more awkward in-person doctor visits telling a complete stranger your dick isn't working. This ships direct to your house in the complete non-discreet box. If your neighbors see this, they're going to know what's inside. There's a penis on a skateboard grinding down a volcano. But your ED problems are going to be a thing of the past. So go to VetChew.com. VWB listeners using the code VWB will receive a free tote bag with every purchase. So go to VetChew.com. VWB is brought to you by One Star. OneStar is the newest craze in the drive share industry. OneStar knows it's tough out there and side hustles are a must. So OneStar is dedicated to granting more jobs than any other driving service. You don't even need a driver's license or a background check to drive for OneStar. Don't believe me? Let me read some of these reviews. Bill from California writes, The driver had Confederate flag seat covers. Buddy wore a mask the whole time. OneStar. Tristan from New York writes, My driver was eating a bowl of spaghetti the whole time, but knew a shortcut. One star. Hector from Arizona writes, My driver had a candy dish, but all the candy was wet. On the plus side, I found a cell phone under the seat. One star. So go to the app store on your phone and download the One Star app today and start driving for cash now. That's One Star. Sit down Ride hard. What? Is that the phrase? Is that a typo or something? Okay, hold on. Sit down and ride hard. One star. What the fuck? Veterans with Benefits is brought to you by Guidolinos, the first cereal made for Italians. It comes in three delicious flavors, cannoli, biscotti, and lasagna. And every box comes with a surprise, a gold chain and an anger issue. This cereal is so good you'll be wearing a velvet jumpsuit in no time. So go to guidolinos.com for subscriptions and boxing options. That's guidolinos.com. It's guidolinos. Hey, I'm eating here. All 
right, you sons of bitches, here we go. Veterans with Benefits, Season 9 Finale, Episode 99. I can't even fucking believe we got this far. 99 episodes, are you kidding me? But today we got a good guest, John Burke, the host of the uh, All-American Savage Podcast. Um, we get into a lot of shit. He's a funny dude, does a lot for veterans through his uh, CBD business, Shell Shock. Um, I hope you guys enjoy uh, for this 99th episode, man, let's fucking make it special. Share the fuck out of this. Let's get everybody listening to my show so I can fucking quit my job. Enjoy. John, what's up, buddy? What's going on, man? You got me? I got you. I got you. Perfect. Perfect. Welcome to the show, dude. Oh, we live? Oh yeah. Oh, okay, sweet. We're not we're having? not live live, but we're recording right now. Oh, okay, perfect, perfect. No, thanks yeah. for having me, dude. Oh no, I appreciate I appreciate you doing it, man. Yeah. So we got a lot to go. We got a lot to get to. So, Let's do it. <laughs> so tell me who John Burke was before the military. Oh man, just a young kid, uh broken family. Uh, grew up in that Friday night lights kind of town where football was uh, everything. And if you didn't play football, you weren't with the cool kids. So I didn't really fit in with any group of people. I know a lot of people say that just to make it sound as if like, Oh, I was the outcast. But no, like literally I was, I got bullied a lot, got picked on. I was a young kid. Um, and then from a young age, I'd always wanted to go into the army just like, you know, many young kids did. And, uh, so when my dad left at a very young age, my mother and I didn't have a very good relationship. So the soonest I could get out of the house, the better. And like I said, I'd always wanted to be in the military. I didn't know you could go in when you were 17. I thought you'd be 18. So we got an argument one day, my mother and I, and she was just like, well, why don't you go join the army? It's like, well, maybe I will. So I went down there when I was 16. I found out about the delayed entry program back in like 2000, 2001. And they're like, no, no, you can join now. I was like, oh, well, okay. So joined up and then shipped out as soon as I turned 17. And that was that. Never went back. Shit. What, what, uh, what year did you graduate high school? I didn't. I, uh, I was 17 when I enlisted. My graduating class was a year later. So when they were graduating, I was in Iraq. Fuck yeah, dude. Okay. Okay. I think we're the same age. I'm 41. Yeah, 38. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we're that, we're that same generation. Yeah. So when, so when you were saying you got you got picked. Yeah. What, what were you getting picked on about? Like, what was that I thing would- for you? I grew up very religious. People thought we were Pentecostal, you know, like uh, women in our church didn't wear skirts. They grew their hair out long, no makeup, very strict um, doctrinal by the Bible type people. And so I, as a kid, you know, I can't, I wasn't allowed to wear shorts, you know, couldn't cuss, couldn't do the things like that. Strict upbringing. So I get made fun of a lot for that. You know, kids, they're ruthless. They don't care. (laughs) It, it, It gets you some thick skin really quick. So by the time you get older, and you're out in the real world, anybody that doesn't like you for whatever characteristic you have, you're over. It's like, dude, if I can make it through high school, you people got nothing on me. So that was That's primarily crazy. what it was. So shorts. Like, I can't imagine being made fun of for wearing Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, That's just part of it, dude. It's just uh, people make fun of me for that. Or yeah, that, that was pretty much it. It was always always the religion. I, you know, like when I was a kid, I got picked on a lot, too. Um, but I got picked on for being poor. Yeah. Yeah. And I grew up in a really poor neighborhood in Jersey. And mm-hmm. when you're the poorest kid in the poor neighborhood, you get picked <laughs> on. <laughs> you're like easy target. Yeah. Yo, why, yo look at Roe. He's wearing socks for fucking gloves. God <laughs> damn it. All right. Kids don't care. No. So when you went, uh, when you went, 
the um what was your MLS? Eleven Bravo did the grunt thing. Okay, okay, okay. So you deployed like right away. Yeah, I finished uh, basic training right into like towards the end of or beginning of two thousand two. Got stationed in Bombholder, Germany. Uh, shipped over there when I was seventeen, which was just dude being in Germany when you're seventeen. Uh, oh, I never, yeah. I was never a drinker, and I grew up, you know, where I was at in Texas. Um, they still weren't really giving people alcohol that were under the age of twenty one, even back in like the early nineties and stuff. So they're pretty strict on it. So when you get into the military and you get stationed in Germany. Uh, I'm not sure if it's still that way. I imagine it is, but if you're knee high to the bar, you're getting served. They don't care. So that's what I do love about like European culture, German culture is that they don't glamorize alcohol the way Americans do. So like in American culture, the first thing you do when you turn 21, which you're probably already doing is go out and drink, get drunk over there. They don't care. You're raised around it. It's just, it's like the same as drinking water or whatever the case may be. So they don't deal with nearly as much of the, uh, the DUI BS as Americans do. So, yeah, getting stationed over there when I was 17, back in 2002. And then the invasion of Iraq happened roughly about a year later in March of 2003. And then I was yeah. on that one. And I feel like, you know, for the most part, the U.S. gets things better than the rest. But those type of things, like the drinking thing, yeah, I feel like other countries get better than us. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Because, get, you yeah. know. Yeah, they just you're, you're, get you're 100% right. It's 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 a reflection of how our society has, I would say, being given too much freedom has caused us to de-evolve. Um, when it was the olden days, you know, we did not strictly rely upon the government for a lot of things. The government never had that position in our lifetime or our, excuse me, in our society, realistically, that it was just never as big as it is now. So with that being said, more people are going to the government for protection, for security, for safety, and they are failing to understand that that's on the individual. So essentially, we have the U.S. government turning into us, turning us into a nanny state, and it's our own fault. We've we've gorged ourselves on too much freedom. Yeah, you know what? I um I always try to find a way to uh, stress that in a yeah. sentence, but I feel like you know you just you just put it perfectly. Like, and it, it, you know what's so weird? Like, um, I don't know if you have kids, but you know, like I have uh like tweens. Well, I have a teenager and a, and a twelve year old. Mm-hmm. When you try to explain to them what it was like when we grew up. Yeah, it, but it's so foreign to them, <laughs> especially when you talk about no internet. Like, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I, I'm like, I'm like, when I'm talking to my kids, I'm like, I was born in '81. There was no fucking internet. We didn't like. I know, yeah. I know there were computers. We didn't have one. Yeah. You know, like maybe our school had two. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to use it for sure. <laughs> Nothing to the level that we've got now that you can easily just Google anything. You have so much information at your fingertips or the idea of no cell phones. Like you couldn't communicate with your parents whenever you wanted. It was literally if you were at so-and-so's house, you better be there because if I call and you're not there, you're getting your ass whipped. Uh, Bro, it was stuff my, like that. My house, there was on the corner, there was a 7-Eleven. The payphone mm-hmm. out front was our phone. Like you, <laughs> you know how embarrassing that is when you're trying to ask a girl out at a fucking yeah. payphone? yeah. It's never had it that bad. My, ours is always the uh, just the phone with the uh, I want to say like the thirty foot cord that could reach into anybody's room for yeah, the uh, spot yeah, yeah. in the kitchen. So yeah. I mean, I'm not saying we never had a phone, but like I remember there was there was a lot of times dude, like we didn't have a phone. We, we didn't have hot water. Like, mm-hmm. like I mean, I was raised by drug addicts, so yeah. you know that's we didn't get a that's a bit different. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I remember we had a gas heater in our bathroom. It was. <laughs> uh, Oh my God, this thing was so rinky dink. I still to this day remember. I used to love drawing in front of this thing. I think I caught my towel on fire once or twice with it. You know, that was as soon as I saw that, I was like, yeah, he should definitely go with the army. That's that's definitely army material right there. Dude, my house didn't have a bat did uh didn't have a door for our downstairs bathroom or a sink. Cause me Jesus. and my brother 
me and my brother broke both of them and we just never fixed it. <laughs> so you'd walk like I'd walk in my house and like if I had friends with me, you'd hear, yo, dad taking a shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's pretty rough, man. Not gonna lie. That's that's definitely different up in Jersey versus Texas. Yeah. So yo, okay, you don't have to name any names. There's everyone knows one guy. Who is the biggest piece of shit you met when you were in the military? Even, even, like, I'm not even saying like bad, just like a funny yeah. piece of shit. Uh, definitely has to be my ex first sergeant, uh, Stanton. This guy was just, uh, man, you want to talk about black supremacy and privilege in the military. This was it. The sergeant major was a uh, black guy as well. And they were both black Masons, went to the same lodge. So you knew those guys were untouchable. You know, I'm just talking real talk here as a white guy. If anybody gets offended by that, well, I personally don't give a fuck because it's true. This is the same first sergeant that pulled up to our, uh, our AO outside the company area be like you know what look go to my hood bunch of white guys you're like jesus dude and he was he was kidding but the thing was like this guy was he was openly racist towards white people and he favored black dudes a lot but i mean he, he wasn't like a dick completely to all white guys but you could definitely tell he favored blacks minorities over whites and this guy he horrible at pt i think he got his ranger tap through affirmative action because this guy did not know dick about <laughs> fuck he didn't know shit and I'm like, you're coming from you came from fucking ranger school, bro. Like you jumped to Vicenza, Italy. You got your little mustard stain, even though I was there when he hit the ground. And it was just bullshit. That whole jump was bullshit. But yeah, he, he was by far the biggest piece of shit. He got a uh, purple heart for smoke inhalation. I shit you not. We were in what? Afghanistan and his uh, little hooch got hit by a fucking a rocket. No shrapnel. But uh, that dude got uh, some smoke inhalation. He got a purple heart. Yep. Oh, my God. Shit you not. Shit, we got dudes... And this is in uh, the Pesh River Valley, Afghanistan. We're like, we were at the Pesh, we were at the uh, mouth of the Korangal as well. So there were more, there was enough, there was enough shit flying around. You're going to get pinked eventually, possibly. Um, and he, he didn't. So we went with the smoke inhalation. It was like, Jesus, dude, like this, this is pathetic. This is fucking pathetic. So he was by far the biggest piece of shit. Uh, abandoned his men once or twice. Just a dirt bag, man. So uh, I was a parachute rigger in the Air Force. Okay. I was active. I was active duty for twelve years, uh -huh. um, and I I talk about this guy all the time because he's like he's like my number one when I go to like who's the biggest piece of shit. <laughs> Senior Airman Chris Robinson, you know who you are. This dude one this dude one time packed a shoot with a fucking Q-tip and a mustard packet inside. What? Yeah, I don't know how we I don't know how he got it in there, but when we were like inspecting, we had to open up because there was something wrong with it. So it was just like, fuck you. You're going to have to pack this again. We have to check something. So we had to open up the yeah. whole. First, we found the Q-tip inside the canopy. And the mustard packet, I guess he put near the survival kit. We're like, what are you doing? He doesn't need mustard. <laughs> like It's freaking, yeah. Uh, that, I don't, if people don't understand that, like when it comes to parachute rigging, you guys are insanely meticulous. Like it has to be dress right, dress everything. Because it's, yeah, people's lives in your hands. So for something like that, that's like a big no-no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just, just the worst. Like, I tell a story a bunch of episodes ago. Like, we did his room inspection. He had a bear fucking sausage under his pillow. Like, And it was there for a couple of days because it was warm. <laughs> so, yeah, dude, like, okay. So I wanted to talk to you about this because this kind of, like, it, it infuriates me. And, mm -hmm. I, you know, I've seen you guys talk about this. Mm -hmm. the racism thing with these kids, these 20 year olds. Yeah. Now, I mean, I'm not saying I've, you know, I've a million times seen racism on my life, but a little bit, you know, when I was in the late eighties, early nineties, it was still yeah. like that. Yeah. But like, 
especially like being a teenager and you know into my adulthood rare never really never i don't understand how these kids keep talking about how everything is racist born after the year 2000 what the fuck are you talking about like there's no way you've seen any of these things that your great grandmother saw it's impossible well, like, I agree. I, you know, I agree. You, go to the, you go to the store, right? If you go to the store right now, you know, you see some different people in the store. Mm-hmm. You're not going up there. Hey, get the fuck out. I'm first. I'm white. Like, it just doesn't happen. But, like, everything. I don't is think fun. so much that it's this next generation is trying to say. It's not like hard racism like you're describing. They're They're basically saying it's more subtle, passive racism, hence the birthing of the term white privilege, which at core, it's just racism is all it is. Basically, if you're favored for a certain position or... Uh, job, whatever the case may be, and you're getting it and favored based strictly upon your race, that's white privilege. Well, if white privilege exists, then automatically uh, black people do it as well. Asian people, Irish Jews, everybody does it. Um, So we then have to delve into then if white privilege exists and black privilege exists. And at core, like I said before, all this really is, it's just racism. If I favor somebody, if I have a white and a black dude and both of them have the same qualifications and I go with the white guy because I just don't like black people, then yes, that's racist. That's not, I mean, people want to just basically say that's white privilege, but instead, like most people that claim racism, instead of getting it right, instead they project the issue onto the undeserving person. What I mean by that is why are they not attacking the racist, but instead go towards the white privilege guy who by no fault of his own gets the job. He just so happens to be white. So that's what the people that are like espousing all this racism, that's what they're trying to go after. I dude, when I hear the word uh colonizer, I'm like, shut the f- like please shut the fuck up. Because I'm like, you know, my first argument was, hey, my people were wearing blue shirts, okay? I wasn't there. Nobody I know was there. So I don't want to hear like all this colonizer shit, like it's like the word of the day. And uh, when people when people say that, I just embrace it. It's like, dude, sucks to suck. You got your asses kicked. I don't know what you want me to tell you. And they want to like, oh, Native Americans were here for like, no, they weren't. No, they weren't. This is it's just that when you have activism, when it comes from the left side, they are very ignorant towards history. Their history has uh, a date or a, a dead end end stop, if you will. And it usually ends in the early 19th century. They don't go any further past uh 19th, 20th century, because if they do, well, then we have to go from, say, for example, black slavery in America, which like it was a single percentile that actually owns slaves in America. And by the way, whites and Native Americans own slaves as well. But you don't see that in the history books. Not so much because it's too easy to pin this on white people. You can also talk about um, how Native Americans were conquering, raping, killing their own long before European settlers came over. These these races of people they get personified in Hollywood, like with movies such as Dances with Wolves and things similar. Um, look, there was a reason that people called them savages back then. And it wasn't necessarily just because of the color of their skin. They acted like savages. So did the Vikings. So did many other cultures. But that's just a name that stuck with them. So when you say something like that, people are like, oh, that's racist. Like, yeah, in today's terms, yeah, I could see how you think that. But at the same token, we have to stop this victimization thing that people, I feel, are trying to strap onto. Because realistically, in a nutshell, everything that we're seeing right now, to answer your question about these young people espousing racist this, racist that, it's because they have nothing to fight for. They've already got it. You've already got equality. You've already got a lot of racist ideologies out. It's gone. It's dead for the most part. But this younger generation wants to latch on to something so they can feel like they're furthering the cause versus saying, no, we're good. We're free. Uh, Look at the LGBT, for example. You see with the emergence of you know LGBT, lesbian, bi, gay. That's it. 
Transgenderism has nothing to do with sexuality and everything to do with gender or gender, gender ideology. So all the LGB has done is allow the T to tack itself onto their movement because now they want to fight for a new or on a new front, transgender rights, which I'm all for. Yeah, if you want to do something to your body, I just don't want to pay for it. I don't care. And also keep it away from children. But they haven't done that. It's gone completely out of control. And now you see the LGBTQAI, two-spirit plus, whatever that alphabet mob is consistent of now, um, to where they have to face a position to where you have allowed child drag queen supporters into your ranks. They have publicly admitted, acknowledged, and endorsed events with this. So now if you are a part of the LGBT, you are now supporting degeneracy. And I feel like this is the younger generation, like I said, wanting to get into the fight, wanting to feel like they can be uh, like a part of their ancestors, much like how military people do the same thing. We want to feel like we're serving in the army of our grandfather. We're fighting for a cause, be it, I'll be it a military industrial complex cause or fake weapons of mass destruction. It's no different on the left. The difference is, though, they want to be culture warriors, national culture warriors. Um, and I feel like those those battles, they're over. So they're picking fights now, even amongst our own, to where you just have to sit back and watch and go, you people are insane. Like you are legitimately insane. Now you've embraced Instead of like gay marriage, you have ventured down the path into, well, now gender is a social construct. Yes, it is based upon your sex. This is a fact. This is just the truth. And they believe now that men can be women, women can be men, men can give birth, uh, breastfeeding people, whatever they want to call it. It's, it's just, it's delved into the realm of insanity. And again, I think, like I said before, this is all just people wanting to get involved in some kind of war to feel like they matter because their parents didn't give enough love when they were growing up. I mean, like there's such a huge gap because I feel like, you know, people our age when you know we were coming into our adulthood it was like the 9-11 era yeah oh so yeah it was big on you know patriotism and just america in general because we you know it was like our pearl harbor yeah but it's like there's this huge gap and like nowadays these kids coming up these 20 year olds it's mm -hmm. it's so different it's like you know oh, yeah. us you know joining the military wanting to you know wanting to defend ourselves to Let's cut our dicks off. Like what? Like I'm, I'm brave and bold with a pair of scissors. Yeah. No, well, again, because this, this takes no effort for a person. So like growing up, you were taught, like, if you want to be special, you better go out and earn it. You better do something that makes you special. People don't want to do that anymore. They want the acclamations. They want the, um, they want the uh, acknowledgement and attention without actually having to physically put themselves in a position where they can fail. Instead, it's a, uh, if I don't get enough tension, well, then, hey, I can easily claim that I'm trans and suddenly I'm now in the victim group. I'm in the minority and I'm going to get all the attention I want. I feel like the trans movement, a lot of that is based in that. You see a lot of uh, transgenderism that hit the scene about four or five years ago under the LGB. And then now you've got child trans, which is just an abomination. This is degeneracy. And when people try and defend this, it's because, like I said, it went down that rabbit hole of an insanity. And again, they want to fight for a cause. And now it's gotten to the point now where we have such identity politics. People are going to hoist their children up as if they're badges of virtue, as they virtue seems like, oh, I'm I'm trans. Look at my child who's also trans because I encouraged it. That's I mean, we have to acknowledge the fact that this is a psychological disorder. This is a mental disorder that we have tried or they attempt to normalize. So should we then normalize schizophrenia? Should we normalize other psychological disorders? Because then they'll play, they'll hit you with the, uh, the response of, well, you know, scientists suggest like, no, we don't have scientists anymore. You've got political activists posing as scientists. Your studies are rooted in insanity. I'm sorry. I, I can't go along with this. And then we also did go down the rabbit hole of these, these studies that are being pro-trans. Which pharmaceutical company is paying for this? Because pharmaceutical companies are making bank off the hormones that are getting rampantly pushed through doctors and the like. 
So honestly, again, it's just, I feel like this younger generation, they don't want to put any effort into actually going out there and saying, you know, I earned this attention by um, what I accomplished. Instead, it's like, look what I can do to myself. I can, I can turn myself into a woman. I can say all these things. And now I'm just, I, people want to hear what I have to say. So it's addicting. I get how people want to go that route to where they can finally feel like they're a part of the in crowd. But, you know, what the MSM and places like that are not showing are the number of people that are detransitioning, saying this is a horrible idea. This is not what we need. I'd seen a um, TikTok video of this one uh, man that turned woman, and he's holding a basket full of medication. And he's like, this is the, these are, these are the meds I got to take now. So it's all great and glamorous until the newness wears off and you realize this is you for the rest of your life. And he was like, the pharmaceutical companies own me now forever. I'll be on this. And I'm like... This is this is what you're doing. This is what you do to yourself. This is what you're doing to your children. And if we say anything against it, well, then we're automatically transphobics, which is not true. Yeah. And um, I think about maybe like 20 episodes ago, I had a veteran on who's trans. And you know yeah. what? Like talking to her the whole time, like we got along like right away. And mm -hmm. it was just different. Like it wasn't the ones you see on YouTube, you know. Yeah. She was just like, a, she, like, I kept slipping up and calling her bro, but she was cool with it. I was like, I was like I'm sorry, dude. I don't know how to address you. <laughs> like, well, you know, there, I think it, it becomes a very slippery slope because I've got like one or two friends that are trans. Now, again, I believe your body, your choice. If they ask me flat out, what do you think of this? I would say I disapprove. Um, but at the extent of that is like, yeah, I also don't agree with homosexuality from a theological standpoint, but I believe in your freedom to do whatever you want. And it's between you, your God or whatever you don't worship. It doesn't matter. I'm not your judge, but if you ask me my beliefs, then yes, I'm against that. Now, to what extent? I'm just not going to go out and suck a dick, or I'm not going to go out and fuck a trans dude. That, that's all there. That's that's it. Like I'm not out there picketing, calling them all kinds of derogatory names. Just like no, I I don't. And I feel like in America, we've gotten so far to the you know the pendulum of acceptance in our society never swings center mass. It's always one or the other. And before there was a lot of intolerance, and now we have too much tolerance because we've now through our tolerance, ushered in the whole transgender, or excuse me, the trans children agenda, the child drag queen agenda. It's like, no, now we've gone way too far. And wow. I'm with you. It's like, I can be friends with people. I'm not going to like be a dick to them. Absolutely not. But I'm, I'm afraid I have to draw the line when they want to be called by the sex they are changed into. Because again, I feel like that is only feeding into a disorder. And I don't think that's helpful or healthy for anybody. So to be like, hey, I'm a tree. And then you guys start calling me a tree as well. That doesn't do anything for me. That's just basically feeding in and enabling my, my disorder. I don't get how, as a country, as a whole, where anyone gets behind the drag, the drag queen story hour thing. I, like, it boggles my mind. Like, how, is, how are we just letting this happen? If you want to get a feel for um, the reasoning that the leftists are going to have for this, just get on Twitter. Get on Twitter and follow some very big pro-LGBT drag show pages and you'll see in the comments how they're going to argue with people. Uh, the, the most recent one I saw last night was um, the defense of child drag queen story hour and stuff like that. It's like, well, it's not sexual. It's like, yes, it is. These are bad faith actors. They say that these events, yeah. A man dressing as a woman in provocative clothing is uh, that that's sexualization, that's sexualizing yourself. And then they'll also go with the why do you care so much about children's genitals? And I'm like, why don't you? I was like, are you kidding me? Is that you're going to try and turn this into like a a pedophilia is that you're kidding me. You're accusing the people that are defending the rights of children to be free from being sexualized by straight, gay, it doesn't matter. And you're defending that by accusing us of being the pedophiles. And that's that's where a lot of leftists take their stances on. But as we saw with uh, states like West Virginia that flipped uh, from blue to red when they went after the moms and went after the children, 
they continue doing this. And I feel like a lot of progressive Democrats are not in support of this part of the DNC. This is, I feel like, is the alt left. But it, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes come 2024. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, it's just like uh, when you see it and they say, oh, we're not sexualizing. I'm like, but your dick is in front of his face. Like, what? Like, you're, you're, you're shaking your ass. Like, it did. How is this cool? <laughs> like, it's just not. It's just like it's in, it's like like that movie Idiocracy. That's what. This- <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I Dude, like five years ago, I would never or let's just say seven years ago, I would never see myself having to sit down or even on my own podcast talk about these issues. It's like you're kidding me. Like we should be talking about the flying cars and the problems that we're having with it versus what is a woman? Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire has his ultra successful viral uh, job. He does this this video he does of what is a woman? Oh, I and this know. Was, I, yeah, I, I, this I, yeah, this was spawned from the simple fact that leftists conflate the two, and it's like you're you're kidding me. It's like, well, you know, it's whatever you feel like. It's like, well, I can say I feel like a unicorn. Does that make me a unicorn? I can say I feel like a tree. Does that make me a tree? Can a dog become a cat and vice versa? Well, no, different species. Okay, so then by and large, or at core. It's because of a biological difference. Well, yeah. It's like, then what makes that any different than a man or a woman? And then suddenly all bets are off. Did so we documentary? No, no, I didn't see that one. Okay. Um, I watched it. It's really good. And there's mm-hmm. a part in it where he's on Dr. Phil and he's on, yeah. he's on the panel with, uh, two trans people yeah. and making his points. And you know, what I like about him is he makes his points and he's not yelling. He's speaking yeah. and intelligently. Yeah. When he's making these points, you can see the one, the one trans, uh, the one um, transgender guy. Mm-hmm. He starts his face changes into a he man. Gets mad. He yeah. gets mad because you could, you could see it. You can, you can know, you know, when a man gets mad. Yeah. Like it's just like a night and day. Like okay, shit's on. Yeah. And that happens to him, and you're like, oh, are you still a girl? Or are you, are you a fucking guy right now? Like come yeah. on. That that's that's what it turns into. It's just it's I think. Before it was kind of like the left wanted tolerance, the LGBT wanted tolerance. And then uh, in the days of Trump and to come 2024, uh, the basic uh, hip slapback, if you will, that we get at leftists when they talk about how intolerant they are, is that in their mind, it's justified to be intolerant towards a white nationalist or a white supremacist, um, because that's what they've done as far as with their dog whistles and clear projections of the accusations of racism, sexism, xenophobia, transphobia, homophobia, every phobia under the sun. And, and I can tell you right now, my 38 years in this earth, I have never met a homosexual man I've ever been afraid of. Just has never happened. I'm not saying that about all gay people, but to, again, the phobia, take transphobia, for example. That word in and of itself has lost all meaning and credibility. Phobia meaning the, the, the fear of. Well, you attach that to transgenderism. It's a fear of transgenderism or things uh, akin to that. It's like, what am I afraid of? It's that the left cannot handle disagreement. They are so accustomed over these last years of having just utmost uh, acceptance, just forced pill or red pill, not red pill, pilled on everybody. Uh, it's like, if you don't accept us, you'll be canceled. If you don't accept us, you'll be blah, blah, blah. And now they don't know how to handle them. Somebody like us comes along and says, no, I don't agree with you. And you can feel free to cancel me, but it's not going to work because I don't let people cancel me. Hey, I'm, and, I'm calling bullshit on, your, on that statement. I know for a fact that you're afraid of Dylan Mulvaney, all right? He, he <laughs> your fucking ass. <laughs> I, I just, I think it's, it's funny for a lot of that stuff out there. Um, to be go like you, I like the point you made. Like, um, Matt Walsh was calm, cool, and collected. And you have to be because if you don't, they're going to use that against you. It's like, oh, you see, he showed emotion. They won. Versus, all you have to do to really trigger the left is just start quoting facts that they don't like, and they will melt down. They will 
cave. They'll get very emotional, um, which you should easily tell them. So like, are your hormones in check? Like you should get that looked at because if you can't even handle a basic discussion about your biological origins and you're freaking out, you sound like you have some problems. So when you, when you hit them like that, yeah, they just tend to cave, but it's, it's, it, it's a crazy time we're living in, man. It's just an insane time. Yeah. So, um, when were you officially, uh, separated from the military? Um, back in 2016. Okay. Okay. So were you, were you in the military while, while uh, Trump was uh, president? Um, I got out right before or right during. I got out um, January of 2016. Okay. So he took office in 2016, I think. So nope, I didn't th- I don't think I got to serve under Bush, um, Obama. That was interesting. So yeah, I think it was, I was a Bush-Obama administration because both of them were eight years. I served from 2001 up until 2016, had about a year break. So yeah, my years with uh, Bush Obama. Okay, I got out in 2017, so I had a year of, uh, you know, working under Trump. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Um, so when you got out, how soon did you start your podcast, or was that something recent? Podcast has been on and off, but I didn't start the podcast till I think back in 2018. I did it for like a few months, and then uh, we launched Shell Shock CBD, and that blew up, and I stopped doing it because it was just. You, you know, you're all hands on deck. I was doing shipping, advertising, customer support. Josh was helping me with orders. Uh, he was filming content. It was just me and Josh starting out. So we're in there, like we're hitting up to 100 to 200 orders a day after the third month of launch. And we're in there just, you know, knuckles deep and everything. So we didn't have time. And by the time we got finished, we're trying to make our website better. We're trying to get better graphics, figure things out. And so I think it was after 2021 when we hired enough people to kind of help, we, we went through a lot. We, uh, we launched a few businesses. Uh, all of them failed except Shell Shock. We, you know, we, I learned a lot in the business world. And so finally, we kind of had some time to where like I was posting, still posting political stuff on my Instagram. And so Josh like, well, I'm gonna do the podcast again. I was like, ah, fuck it, let's do it. And so this time we've, we've really focused on trying to grow it, make it more professional, uh, take callers, almost turn it into like a radio slash talk radio, 90s era of Rush Limbaugh meets Michael Savage meets a millennial that's a veteran with uh, really dark humor so and it, it, we've done very well you know we have on average anywhere from two to three hundred thousand downloads a month and we're blessed for that and we're just continuing to grow but i think the importance of podcasting is that essentially social media can't touch you at least from my situation is i get banned all the time i have account after account after account i've had up to like three hundred thousand on instagram verified they banned me relaunched another account they banned that Lost my YouTube of over 300,000, my TikTok of almost 200,000, my Twitch of 40,000. They banned me across everything. And not for being like just, I'm not one of those people that's wearing the MAGA hat, wearing the overalls, like fucking my Trump and all these motherfucking lesbians. It's like, that's not me. That, that I like having rational debate, but I will not hold back on my opinions in regards to transgenderism and things such as that. And on these, these, these platforms, you can't even have discussion. We were doing the live streams on YouTube and Josh and I, my partner, who's my, my podcast co-host, we were just talking about COVID. And never did we take a stance of saying this is scientifically wrong. It was more along the lines of, I'm one of those, I want to see this undergo at least five to seven years of clinical trials before we make any type of, you know, objective uh, opinion on this. Like we need to, we need to see this long term. We've got nothing. And even for that, they banned me for medical misinformation. I said, are you kidding me? I was like, what, what, what misinformation? Like there was none. I said, I don't trust the vaccine. And sure enough, come to look what's happening now. So YouTube banned me for that. Facebook banned me for that. I had like almost uh, over half a million on Facebook. And they basically erased me from all social media. So that's why I feel like 
the podcast is so insanely crucial. They can't touch you. You can no. say whatever you want. You can post whatever you want. They can't do anything to silence your voice. So that's what I should have been doing from the get-go. I learned that lesson too. I shouldn't say too, too late. Rebuilding my Instagram, rebuilding my Facebook. But now all the serious issues, they're going on the podcast where it's kind of like that uh, offshore bank account. They can't touch it. So that um, your um, Instagram account with the mustache, has that been canceled yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, I got my, uh, I have my John Burke. Um, I'm just, I just, I'm just, I just, you know, I follow it, but I'm like, I don't know what the fuck he's saying. <laughs> uh, no, there's a John Burke 1984. That's my Instagram. The Twitter is the one I keep getting kicked off of. My Twitter one is Juan Burke, J-U-A-N-B-U-R-K 1775. Because the whole the whole premise behind it is I got I get banned at least once a week on Twitter, so I have to launch another account, whether it's for a suspension evasion or I made a joke about gay people. Like this dude was just talking trash about Republicans. And I'm I'm I lean conservative, but I'm more libertarian. But the guy was like, you know, why would any gay guy ever vote for the party that wants to stone him? And I was like, Oh yeah, I'd love to stone gay people with shell shock, CBD, Delta 8, Halo gummies that'll get you so fucked up. So it was a play on words. It's like, no, do I want to stone gay people? Yeah, with like THC, uh, come come shop with us. We love, we love gay, I love gay money. It's fine, I don't care, I'll take anybody's money. But it was just, they, they banned me for that. And I was like, okay, so, okay, it's getting stupid. But I created this other account. So I figured out that the algorithms don't pick you up if you're saying offensive things, but intentionally misspelling it. So thus Juan Burke was born and everything uh, reads in uh, Spanish English show. So that's the persona. It's weird to me that like, you know, just regular folks, you know, they get canceled for shit they say. So what is it? Is it Skynet that's really doing this? Or do they have millions of fucking people sitting in cubicles and just watching every fucking word that gets typed? It's algorithms. They have pre-established algorithms. That's why you'll see certain things get flagged. That make no sense. Uh, word orders, uh, say, for example, if you say something like gays and stoning, it's going to flag itself where sometimes it does have to go through a reviewer. Other times, for example, on Instagram, if there's any certain word order, they're going to automatically flag your stuff. And they're they're so bad about it and they don't have enough people. So they go by the decision of the AI and the AI is usually not correct. Hence, like I said before, the wordplay of stoning the gays that had that was just a joke, clearly not calling for violence. And they were like, nope, your account's still banned. And I was like, that's just the dumbest thing ever. But that's the way it is. So, yeah. So uh, we're going to try to get you on Joe Rogan. <laughs> I'm going to make uh, That'd be great. I'd love to go on Joe Rogan. I don't know what the hell I'm going to say, but I would definitely. Uh, that 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 podcast probably get me canceled. But I'd be like, I don't give a fuck. All you got to do is just go on to Joe Rogan. You either bring up aliens, gorillas, mm. uh, acid. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't consume other people's content. It's not that I don't like it. It's just that I, I feel like I kind of want to stay true to myself, formulate my own thoughts, my own opinions, because when you consume too much of anybody else's stuff, you start to think like them and you start to talk and act, or maybe not that far, but you get where I'm going. Your thought process tends to go uh, more in line with theirs and you tend to make them your identity to an extent. So I think it's better to just kind of take bits and pieces from certain things. It's like, oh, I like what Shapiro had to say on that one, but I don't consume his content regularly. And the same for Joe Rogan. So... I mean, uh, I'm glad that my, you know, my audience is kind of moderate. I, if I release an episode on a Monday, by by Sunday, I get about eight, nine thousand people that listen to the show. Nice. So I don't, uh, I don't expect anybody walking around sounding like Peter Griffin, fucking <laughs> you know, spouting off stupid shit because of me. Nah, I, I, you know, I really feel like a lot of the cancel culture, and it's very interesting to watch the the landscape of social media, Twitter uh, specifically, 
Twitter now being owned by Elon Musk and it's being counterbalanced back to where now conservatives have a voice. They're not being canceled. They're not being uh, censored. Watch what happens to cancel culture because it's only going to exist on platforms such as Facebook and Instagram because Twitter, they're doing away with so much to where it's like now there's an even platform and liberals are running. They don't want to stay on that platform because they don't have big daddy tech to protect them anymore. They actually have to argue their opinions and they can't. They lose every single time almost. So when that happens, cancel culture is going to go away and you're going to be able to start saying the things that need to be said that people were afraid to say for so long because I don't want to get silenced. I don't want to get censored. Like, okay, no, let's sit down. Let's let's talk about black violence in America. Let's talk about minority violence in America. Let's talk about these things that before, oh my God, if you're a straight, white, heterosexual dude, you're going to get targeted. It's like, no, um, I'm to the point now where it's like, you know what? We should start saying white pride. If people think that's racist, well, then why is it okay for other minorities to say whatever pride their their race or nationality has to deal with? And I'm race specifically, excuse me. And I'm like, do I have pride in the fact that I'm white? No, I don't fucking care. I think it's just the most ridiculous thing ever. I have pride in what my accomplishments have been. But unfortunately, to even say stuff like that these days, it's like, oh, my God, he hates freaking, he hates gay people. He hates black people. It's like, oh, boy, here we go. Because that's why I feel what social media has done. It's given the microphone to people that are just flat out obnoxiously stupid. And usually it's those people that get the biggest voices. I mean, look at all these streamers, all these these figures. Um, these are not like, look at these big political meme pages. This is not intelligence we're seeing. These are memes. Memes that they normally regurgitate from somebody else. And then if you sit down these people and you have a one-on-one with them and you start talking policy, you start talking uh, political philosophy, if you will, they don't know anything. So it's like, damn. And I'm not sitting here saying that like I'm the most intelligent guy. I'm not, but I'm learning. But a lot of these other people, they put forth no effort and they, they generate all this, this attention and they get this massive voice when in, in fact it should be the opposite. It should be the people that actually showcase they know what they're talking about. They have original ideas and opinions. But no, we, we, um, we tend to drift to the more entertaining. And the stupider you are, the more entertaining it is. Yeah. I, I love the ones that are like uh, they announce they're leaving. Like, yeah. okay. you're, like when you announce that. How long do they keep that up before they just, you know, close their count out? Like, do that? Is there like, I, a <laughs> I think a lot of these celebrities, they're saying they're leaving and they just leave their account there to come back to once uh, Elon sells what I, I don't think he will. But, you know, I think they leave this. No, delete your account. Like, if you say you're doing it, delete your account. Don't just leave it open. Yeah. 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 It, everything's I feel like an old man, you know, like old men when we were kids, like, uh-huh. uh, and everything is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Clint Eastwood in that movie where he's like, uh, get off my lawn. He's like, I get oh. it now. I get it. Yeah. I, and you know what's funny? When you watch movies back then and it's like, peop, you know, like especially the men, men looked older. Like if yeah. you, you watch old action movies, our age, but they, you know, yeah. when we kids, they looked like they were like fucking 60 years old. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good point. Like, I feel like our generation, we look a lot younger than we are. Oh, yeah. Um, but I don't know if that's just because of how we were raised or maybe because we weren't paying attention to it to that level. I, I don't know. But I look at our generation. now. I'm just like, yeah, I didn't. Uh, I don't I don't feel like I'm 38. I don't feel like I look like I'm 38. But then again, they had it a lot harder back then, way more stress than we had. Although, let me, let me push pause on that. We do have social media and social media feels like a major stressor. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, OK, so let me ask you something. So if you go back and, you know, kill whoever created social media, <laughs> would you do it and no. never, never have it exist? Uh, I, w- I wish I could say yes to that, because if we're going to do that by the same logic, we would. Um, it'd be like people talking about. Um, 
I remember Andrew Yang, he was running and talking about how the trucking industry is going to lose so many people if we continue to automate things. And I was a staunch opponent to that saying like, no, you should not even Tucker Carlson was on board with this. It's like, we got to save jobs. Like, I get that. But also we cannot limit ourselves or stunt our perspectives into thinking we're not going to pick up jobs in other areas. Say, for example, the internet was not created. Well, how many businesses do you think would go under? How many businesses would not have been launched? You have social media. Man, I would say almost all social media businesses, uh, if you don't have a presence on social media, you're an idiot. You have such a massive reach. You don't have to go through the normal channels. You can do it on your own. That's what I did. And I think to limit ourselves by saying, yeah, with the bad comes the good. Therefore, we should not do anything because there's bad attached to it. Well, show me anything in the history of any kind of invention, be it newspaper, radio, that is not used or wasn't used for bad things. So I wish I could give like some kind of perfectly utopian answer, but that doesn't exist. No. With the good comes the bad and you've got to take them both. Yeah, that means it feels like I feel I feel the exact same way. You know, when I think about that question to myself, what I was fine in fucking 2001, my cell phone or, you know, yeah. I got around fine. I didn't die. You know, yeah. then I'm, I'm like, yeah, but it is pretty sweet. You know, like, oh, it's great. I mean, you can sit there, and make the same argument with like covered wagons versus a, um, a vehicle, a motor vehicle. It's like, yeah, do you need it? No. It's like, but it makes your life a hell of a lot more comfortable and you can get where you need to go faster. I was telling the girlfriend last night, I had to go pay for something and I didn't have money in my account. I always keep my checking account like next to nothing in case my card gets swiped. I can just, you know, they made off with like $200. Good luck. I keep everything in my savings. So I forget to transfer money sometimes. So I pull out my phone, go to my bank app, transfer the money. I was like, I remember there was a time this didn't exist. You actually had to go to the ATM. And even before that, you had to balance your checkbook. And it's like, I remember those days and it sucked. It sucked ass. So nowadays it's like, yeah, this does bring a lot of stress in my life, but we've gotten so accustomed to the relief it brings because it's been normalized. It's like sensory adaptation. You can just pull out your phone, make a transfer of money, make a phone call, send a text, email, order a prescription, order clothes, order a car if you want. I bought my Tesla through an app. So I'm just like, yeah, the... um, it's made us a much more weaker generation, but I feel a much more intelligent generation, even though I feel like a lot of people don't see the U.S. as that right now because we've got the uh, inmates running the asylum right now. Oh, have you seen that meme of like all of like Biden's like cabinet, the ones that are like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, dude, come on. Like you like yeah, I get invaded like Red Dawn every time I see that meme. I'm like, fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, I agree. It's It's crazy, dude, but that's where we're at. I, you know, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying this because I'm a veteran and, you know, rah, 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 military, but I do believe that we sh- that somebody, some president should enact a, like a mandatory two year enlistment. You will you will see so much less of this anti-America stuff if, if kids got to suck it up for two years. Yeah, but let's look at that from the opposing side, though. If we if we consider ourselves true constitutionalists, the draft should not even exist. It shouldn't be mandated. Um, if you're going to force people to serve, well, that's anti-liberty, and I, I can't support that. But secondly, let's look at the quality of soldier you'd get. Yeah. We, go, we go back to the Vietnam generation where you're going to have dudes that should not be in those foxholes that could get their battle buddies killed. So as much as I would love to agree with you to say, like, we need something to kick the youth in the ass, I don't think it could be forced. And that's why I feel like with freedom and liberty comes degeneracy and moral decay. We look at the history of the Roman Empire. Um, you look at the British Empire, for example. They always managed to maintain a level of um, superiority through putting intelligence as a priority in, in their lives. Like it's, it's a good thing to be intelligent. It's a good thing to be smart, to be a gentleman, to be dressed well, to, t- to hold yourself. In America, it's not like that. And I'm not saying that it's good or bad. I'm just saying that if we compare the two, 
look how much more America has plunged into moral decay. Our society is being chewed at the at the hems right now from degeneracy that I feel spawned from within the LGBT, from the transgender uh, and gender or the trial drag queen, drag queen things. I think it all came from there or not all, but a huge chunk of it that we're seeing right now. That's where it spawned from and originated from. And don't get me wrong, like whatever people want to do in the bedroom, as long as it doesn't involve children, I don't care. The government should not be involved. You are free to do as you want. Um, it doesn't mean you're not going to be judged and made fun of, but honestly, there should be no government intervention, no private citizen intervention. If you want to go in there and gangbang three dudes or three, I don't care. That's your body. You do what you want to do with it. But at the same time, I feel like this does come with a cost because we should be exercising this in moderation. And it's been shown time and time again, the hookup culture, pornography, things that, that we're consuming are destroying us. And it is, it, it truly is. Now, I don't believe in a ban on it. I just think that we can acknowledge said things and maybe educate and bring awareness to certain things and try and help people wean off of that stuff. Uh, but I'm never in favor of banning things. I don't like that. I feel like everything should come from free choice. So if I don't like something, I don't want my views projected onto somebody else at the hands of a government enacting legislation that favors my theological beliefs. Yeah, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bitch. <laughs> so um, before we wrap this up, I um, I put everybody I have on the show through a round of bonus questions, okay? Let's do it. So I'm gonna need your ability, sir. Oh, boy. Favorite TV, she, ta- favorite TV show growing up? Oh, man, Nick at Night. Okay, okay. You got to Nick and – Okay, if I had to pick one, uh, Dragnet. Dragnet, goddamn. Dragnet, just the facts, I thought, man. I thought you were gonna say like Family Matters or something like God. Family Matters was good, but it wasn't the best. If you're talking like '90s daily sitcoms, you had Family Matters, Full House, mm-hmm. Who's the Boss. I think that was back when like military, not military, when uh, TV sitcoms were actually good, wholesome. And of course, if we go back and you watch them now, it's like this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen because it's not funny. It was back then. Because you know, our humor has taken such a dark turn as a society. That, that's, uh, I just got reminded of something. That's something that pisses me off when I see things on TikTok or whatever, talking about how, you know, um, my generation or, what, or, you know, people my age are raised. Mm-hmm. And I got to go, no, 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 hold back. I was like, when I was a kid, I wanted Uncle Phil to be my dad. So, sure. like, go fuck yourself. Like, yeah. <laughs> stop putting everybody in this tiny jar. Yeah. I mean, that's it's easy to generalize an entire group. That's why the whole OK Boomer thing is just a massive generalization. But I think it's the mindset is what people are, are mainly referring to when they reference like millennials or Gen Xers or Gen Zers. It's just a common theme that you see amongst specific generations. Yeah. So, OK, who's got the best French fries? Uh, you know, hmm. are we talking about like fast food? Or are we talking about like actually? That's uh, Fast food, I'm probably uh, I'm going McDonald's. I'm not a big consumer of them, so I don't know. I If I go eat someplace like that, I'm usually skipping the fries and eating just the burger because the fries have so much grease. I actually feel like shit after that. And I know the burger is not much different, but I, I've noticed that my body does not respond well to all the all the French fries. So okay. I'll just say McDonald's. Okay, okay. So there's two doors. First door, you see an alien. You can see okay. an alien. Second door, undo American slavery. Which door are you going in? Undo American slavery. What's the who gives a shit if it's an alien? <laughs> okay. <laughs> what if that alien's like Are the outcast? He's like the retarded alien that is like, ah, oh, fuck, I could have like freed people. Versus I got this dipshit. I got this Down syndrome ET. Like, this is worthless. I'm picking the alien. <laughs> Why are you picking the alien? I want to see a fucking alien. I see black people. I want to see an alien. 
Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, okay, you're on a desert island. You can bring one band's whole category with you, or ca- catalog with you. Who do you bring? Ooh. Man, if I'm on an island, I probably have to get into hipster mode and like do the whole fucking living off the nature shit. So, man, probably Mumford and Sons. They got a large catalog? You might be going fucking crazy listening to those three songs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, damn, dude. Uh, okay. As far as catalogs go, fuck. Elton John, Queen, uh, Journey. Uh, damn, dude. I don't know. Okay, okay. I don't know. Let's go Beatles. I go Beatles or Led Zeppelin. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to go with something more modern Beatles, though. I, I would. I couldn't I couldn't exist in the uh, the black and white towards the end of the doo-wop era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, favorite Tarantino movie? Oh, man. What was the one with the... Um, it was about the West, like the worst, the seven worst people in America. Uh, oh, Hateful Eight? Worst. Is the hateful eight? Yes, that's the one. And I know people are probably going to normally go with Reservoir Dogs because it was an amazing cult classic. It was, but I like Hateful Eight. I like the setup uh, and the one he did about the hotel. Um, fuck, I can't remember it. Oh, yeah, uh, what, Room Forty Eight, I think. Yeah, something like that. Both like T- T- Tarantino. He's a very, very gifted um, director. This guy is—he's insanely good. You can always tell that. Uh, there, there was, I read this article talking about there's always going to be a very well-done foot shot in every Tarantino movie. He yep. likes, for some reason, getting feet in his movie. And when you go back and you look, it's like, holy shit, he's right. Uh, Uma Thurman, I think it showed hers in Pulp Fiction or something like that. It was, um, I forget what movie, yeah, I think it was that one. And when you go look at the various movies he's talking about, or they talk about, it's like, oh yeah, it's true. There's a lot of feet in there. I'm trying to think, is there feet in Reservoir Dogs? I was thinking about that too. I don't know. I don't maybe it's, they talk about feet or something, but I don't know if there is like a bare foot in that. Movie. I do like I do like Tarantino kind of rips off the Seinfeld thing, but not as stupid to where you can actually have an in-depth conversation over something so cosmetically mediocre. It's like, why are we even talking about this? But they make it interesting. It's like that's a very unique brand of humor that not many people can number one execute and number two a master. And I feel like Tarantino can easily do that, especially in Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, 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 definitely. So um so before we get out of here, dude, uh, tell me about uh, Shell Shock. Yeah, Shell Shock CBD. We went into business 2019. Uh, just hit our three-year anniversary. We're very blessed. Amazing, great quality products because you know we're, we're fighting about a lot of uh, we're fighting against snake oil salesmen in the the CBD industry because people lie about it. They say, "Oh yeah, it cures cancer." No, it doesn't. It doesn't do any of that. Uh, but when you can market it for what it actually does, and you can be honest about it. Uh, we are, I think we're now valued at like six, $7 million as a company. It's because our products do work and people have, you know, I, I developed the following and I said, look guys, I have never sold you out. I've never lied to you to make a buck. You know this. Cause I even, I even tell people, it's like, if I've ever done it, post about it, prove it. And I will freaking, I will, I will humbly admit it. And it's never happened because I decided to take the hard road. So shell shop became very successful very quickly is because my audience trusted me. I never sold them out. I never cannibalized it and just hawked the stupidest shit like a lot of these other pages do. Like, oh, go buy this Trump shirt that was made in China. It's like, yeah, we'll pay you $200 to post it. It's like, no, I'm not doing that. I've always done it for my own reasoning or like been a part of uh, companies I've been associated with. But when I launched Shellshock, uh, like month one, it took some growing. Month two, by month four, it was like, dude, we need to hire somebody. Like, I, I can't keep up. And it's been a very interesting journey. But the CBD oil does amazing for stress and anxiety. 
and we have THC free and you won't fail a drug test. I've got dudes in the military already taking our stuff and they've never popped hot. We have the rack out gummies and CBD and melatonin. This will knock you out. We have it. It's THC free. You will not fail a drug test. I even got people in the FBI taking our shit. Um, and it's funny because we, we see, we get emails, we get reviews and this stuff will do what's promised. And we make a, I call it the gummy back guarantee. If our gummies don't do as advertised, I will give you your money back. I'm that a certain of it. And then we had Delta 8, Delta 9, and Delta 8 is just straight up THC, and this stuff will get you stoned out of your head. And it's illegal in 17 states, but Delta 9 is not, and it basically has very, very similar effects. And that's how the chemical or the chemist nerds stay, stay ahead of the uh, political bureaucrats. They can convene their state congress and legislators like every two years, I think, and they'll ban something. And then the, the nerds and the chemist office are just like, you know what, we'll alter one thing, and now it's no longer Delta 8, it's Delta 9. It's like, oh, shit, we can't ban Delta 9 to the next time Congress convenes. So it's just staying one head a step, one step ahead of these people, because I'm all for if you want to do drugs, do fucking drugs. Who gives a shit? The same boomer types out there complaining about marijuana and THC will go home and drink a six pack and just ingest so much sugar, get fat, not even exercise, destroy their liver. And, you know, I've never gotten drunk and chilled. I've gotten stoned. It's like I'm not doing anything or I'm going to go watch a movie or I'll even microdose before I go to the gym. And I have a very good lift. I have a very relaxed, uh, I want to say it's like an antidepressant with no negative side effects or addiction properties. And that's why I'm so adamant about getting this in the hands of number one, veterans, and number two, just everybody. Like the, the, the stay-at-home mom that might be stressed the hell out, one little nibble on a gummy, you're still in complete control, but you feel yourself chill. Or our CBD oil, which offers the same chill without the high effect. And then we've got our, our bombs, our applicators that are basically CBD and menthol. We have our wellness line of ashwagandha gummies. We have apple cider gummies. Uh, we've got it all, man. And we're about to release a CBD lubricant. People have been asking for that. Yeah. Because CBD is amazing for the skin. People don't know that either. It helps. It's amazing with eczema and things such as that. So there's a reason that if you go into a lot of these doctor's offices, they're making their own CBD and selling it. And if, you know, if a doctor's selling it, I would, I would put a lot of effort into like doing some research on your own to say, okay, what is this? And once you do, you'll start seeing like a lot of these studies from Harvard Medical and things like that. It has been showing like this stuff does work. It's just the people that are advertising in the negative context for like, oh, will it help cure depression? No, it won't. It's not for that. So that's that's what we're fighting. So yeah, it's shellshockcbd.com. And uh, we're just growing and we're about to launch a company next month. And I'll be talking more about that later. And I'm really excited because man, it's I like the idea of scaling um, micro companies and essentially hiring on two or three people. They run the company, scale the company, and then launch another one. And I feel like the more you diversify, the better your odds are at uh, really striking gold. Yeah, so I'm going uh, to send you my address, and I want a gift basket, you bastard. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what I was watching? We're, we're actually sponsoring podcasts now that I think about it. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you want to send me over your analytics from the back end, I'll take a look at it, and we can work. We can work a deal. If okay. You're interested. Okay. So I've, I was, I, I've done. I've we've sponsored uh, Tim Pool. We've sponsored uh, Gavin McGinnis. And I'm telling you, man, the the age of the massive influencer is over. It's going to the micro influencers. They're hungry. They want to get paid. They want to stand behind a company that actually represents something good. So I'm I'm, I'm leading more these days towards the little guys. It's like the people that have ten to fifteen thousand followers. Those are the ones. I, I have one lady. That was uh, an ambassador for us. She had 1,200 followers, dude. She was making about $7,000 in sales a month. So she was clearing about a $2,000 paycheck from us per month just oh. by posting, but knowing how to post. People oh. don't realize that. It's like anyone can be a fucking influencer. Anyone. It's just a matter of do you want to be an actual effective influencer that you're actually going to get your bang for your buck? Yeah. I mean, when I discovered you, I just start like I have a we have a Facebook page and mm -hmm. I just started posting 
guys have an episode. Yo, guys, listen to this guy. You know, mm-hmm. like boom, boom, boom. Oh yeah, I appreciate that. And I feel like, you know, I don't, I don't know how um, familiar you are with uh, Howard Stern. Yeah, Shock Jock. Yeah. I feel like you guys need like an arty chair. You guys need someone in that arty chair. <laughs> We're working some things and bringing back drunken debates. That starts next year. And that's when essentially I, I host a panel of six, four to six people all have different political ideologies. We're talking socialists, communists, capitalists, uh, gays, trans, straights. And I host a panel and we essentially talk politics for about two to three hours. I pick the topics. Nobody knows what the topics are prior to the debate. And we drink while we do it. And it's a very fun, entertaining panel because you'll hear some really interesting uh, perspectives from like a socialist. And it's like, damn, they got some good points. And so it makes you think and it, it starts to make you study and, and definitely delve into why do I believe what I believe? And if I do truly believe this, I need to start digging up the facts as to why I support this, uh, this idea. And it's, it's a good time. So that's cool. That's cool. I so um, before we get out of here, man, uh, tell everybody where they can find you. All, all your uh, yeah stories. on twitter you can tweet me out i usually respond to i respond more so to twitter than i do uh, instagram but it's twitter is j-u-a-n-b-u-r-k 1775 and then on the instagram uh what am i on instagram it's john burke 1984 and that's where you can find me cool cool dude um before we got here i just want to ask you one quick question what's the greatest what's the greatest sequel ever oh fuck Okay, I'm not going to say in terms of it being the greatest standalone of its own. I'm going to go with Jurassic World. And that's only because, not that Jurassic, the first Jurassic World was really good. Then these spinoffs off of that were just horrible. But the reason I say Jurassic World is that Jurassic Park, the OG was incredible. And then they beat that horse to death. And once you beat a horse to death, there's no coming back. Jurassic World did. They brought it, they breathed new life into the Jurassic Park franchise. And then they beat it to death again. So it was, I got to say Jurassic World. But if we're talking about standalone on its own, then we're going Godfather Part 2. Okay. Okay. I appreciate those answers. They're both wrong. Because the greatest greatest sequel ever, World War II. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) God. Oh, my God. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I appreciate you having me on the show, dude. I sincerely mean that. Thank you. Oh, yeah. No problem, dude. Same way, man. So, um, yeah, that was, this was pretty painless, dude. Yeah, it's too easy. I'll talk to you next time, brother. All right, everybody. Peace. Veterans with Benefits is 100% organic and cruelty-free. The show is produced by Low Cash Productions, written and directed by Roland Spurbeck. If you or anyone you know is in crisis, please call the Veteran Crisis Line at 855-521-1317.